Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to the New Bridge Church Podcast. Last week, Chris talked about one of the most relatable fears in existence, financial fear. Today, he continues that topic and breaks down some practical aspects of spiritual truth. This is definitely a sermon you don't want to miss. Here's Chris. Okay, well, if you are joining us for the first time, we're in a series called Fear Not. Uh, We are looking at what God has to say about fear because there is so much fear going on in our culture today. And uh, last week, we started the topic of financial fear or fear of financial failure or fear of not having enough and uh, broke this one, this topic down into two categories. One, our mindset, our financial mindset which is so important. And last week we talked about, if you missed last week, please go back and listen to it. It is the prerequisite to this week. In fact, the information I'm going to give you this week, if you don't have last week straight, can blow you up inside, okay? This is powerful stuff I'm going to give you today, life-transforming stuff I'm going to give you today. But your mindset with money has to be right, or you at least have to be working in that direction. And so we talked about last week the idea that... Our default is to put our hope in, our trust in, to look to money for security, for provision, and for comfort, right? That's, that's just kind of seems to be human nature. And what God says is, no, 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 don't put your trust, hope, and, and, uh, and don't look to, don't set your mind upon money for those things, not for security, not for provision, and not for comfort, but look to God. And Jesus was so adamant about it. He said, you can't worship both God and money. Like you have to pick what's going to be first in your life. But the propensity of human nature in this broken, fallen world is to look to money for those things. And as long as you do, you will never have enough and you will never have peace. And that's truth. That is truth. But if you can take your mind and get it mindset and set it on God's kingdom and on God, then there's a peace that can come in that arena in your life. Now, what I said last week is that's the mindset part. That's the heart set part. But there's some practical things that God lays out in his word, principles to live by, that if you actually live by them, you can do so much better in the realm of finances than going with the common knowledge and the common wisdom of our world. And in fact, the common wisdom of our world isn't working very well, is it? Um, and we talked about some of those financial statistics last week and how, how, how bad things really are. This week, what I want to do is I want us to look at what we do with our money. You know, God offers a tremendous amount of, of forgiveness. So when we make messes in our lives... If we will turn to him and confess that we've made a mess and that we haven't done it his way, we've done it our way, there's grace, there's forgiveness, there's redemption, there's there's just this experience of God's goodness in the midst of that. But oftentimes what we're left with at the end of that are some practical consequences that we we have to start living the way he says to live to be able to walk out of those practical consequences, and sometimes that takes time. We don't like that. We want the the instant, um, you know, God strikes lightning down and everything's better and it's all, it, it's all like magic. But there are practical matters to deal with. And if you have been living outside of God's principles, 
uh, and you have created a mess, there might be messes to clean up, practical messes to clean up. Now, the redemption, the forgiveness, and all of that is available to you immediately. But there's a new way to learn how to live. You know, God gave us his word, the Bible, as an owner's manual. And so much of what is in there of how to live, how to raise kids, how to do marriage, how to do whatever, how to manage your finances, all of that are countercultural. They're different. If I heard one guy say, like, if you would just do the opposite of what everybody else is doing, you'd probably hit somewhere where in the realm of what God told us to do because the rest of the world is just doing the opposite of what God says to do in so many areas. And so God's principles are powerful, but they're counterintuitive, and they're certainly countercultural, but they're so powerful. And when it comes to money, that's no different. You know, one of those principles, this is a mindset principle, is, is it's all God's stuff. Everything I have is God's. It takes so much pressure off. There's a sense of responsibility that comes with that. I have to, I have to take care of that for God and, and honor God with it, but it takes the pressure off because God has everything. He can provide whatever I need. And, um, and it's his. There's a difference when you're, when you're managing somebody else's money. It's not as high stress as when you're managing your own. Um, Another principle, mindset principle, generosity is powerful medicine for our souls. It, it literally helps us take our focus, our mind, off of the money and put it onto God and his kingdom. And our purpose here, generosity is super powerful. That is another principle we find in Scripture. But there's some practical, those are practical instructions, but there's some very practical money management instruction as well what we actually do with what we've been given. And I'm here to tell you from personal experience and the experience of countless other Christians that when you apply these principles to your life, things change in a really good way. And uh, I'm so excited to be able to change or share them with you today. And, and some of them will even feel like magic if you actually do what I'm telling you. So today's topic is how to transform your money habits. This is what we do, the principles we apply, and how we manage our stuff. Now, some of you are like, oh, great, the pastor's going to talk about money today. Pastors shouldn't talk about money. This is, this is so powerful, and it's so much my heart to bless you. I hope you receive it that way, because literally, if you apply these principles, they can completely change your life, especially if you're a young adult. Uh, or a teenager, and you learn these things, but for all of us, for all of us. So how do you transform your money habits? First principle is this. Are you ready? Pull out your, your paper. Uh, you have notes in there uh, in your program. Pull it out. Grab a pen. Write some of this stuff down. First one is this. Know where you stand financially. You're like, really? That's like the magic principle? Yeah, because we don't do it. I mean, as a culture, some of us do, but as a culture, we have been conditioned over the last 50 years to swipe and run, right? We're going, going through the grocery store, swipe and run, swipe and run. There are many of us who don't even look at our credit card statement or we don't balance our checking account from month to month. We have no idea where we stand financially. We just keep swiping and hope that it works out because it just costs this much to live. And so we swipe and we swipe and we swipe. We spend and we spend and we spend. And we never take account of where we stand financially. In Proverbs 27, 23, 
This is King Solomon writing to his son who will become king. He says this, be sure you know the condition of your flocks and give careful attention to your herds. Now, why is he talking about livestock? Because they were an agrarian society. A majority of their wealth would have been tied up in, in flocks and in herds and, and in the, the, uh, their agrarian assets. And he's like, pay careful attention to the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. He says, for riches do not endure forever and a crown is not secure for all generations. In other words, if you don't pay attention, you're just going to wonder where your money went, and it's all going to slip through your fingers like sand through an hourglass. Has anybody ever experienced this? It just goes. We don't even know where it went. We're like, how do we spend that much money this month? I don't know. We don't know the condition of our flocks. We don't know where we stand financially. You have to look at your finances regularly. And I know there are some of us who are like whizzes with Excel and we're like, oh, God said so. He invented Excel. No, I don't know. I don't think so. I think that was somebody other than God. But anyway, and then there are others of us who are like, oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. That's so boring. That's I don't want to do that. I'm not wired that way. Guys, this is adulting. Like, if you're going to be an adult, you got to take a look at your finances on a regular basis without being consumed by them. See, that's why last week was so important. If your heart's not right, you can, this can make you nuts. You get consumed, and all you're thinking about is your finances. And so managing our hearts and our mindset about money, if you haven't heard last week, go back and watch it or listen to it, is so very important. Because you can live at peace because it's not your stuff, because your, your heart's in the right place and your mind's in the right place. But basically what Solomon is saying here in Proverbs 27 is if you don't pay attention, it will just all slip away and you'll wonder where it went. You've got to actively manage your finances. Guys, this is countercultural right now, but so very important. So what's this look like? A regular inventory of where you stand, monthly, taking a look at your, your uh, assets, your checking account, um, your stocks, because we don't have flocks if you've got stocks or whatever other assets you have, or if you don't have any other assets in the checking account, be looking at that. See where you stand. And what this will enable you to do if you do this as a discipline is to spot the leaks. You can go, oh my gosh, we're spending so much money on this, we had no idea we were doing that. Or my goodness, there's an opportunity over here. If we did this and this and this, we could take advantage of that as, a, as an opportunity and actually increase our, our, our net worth. So there, there are so many advantages to this, but if all we're doing is swiping and going, if all we're doing is just hoping that it all works out, it's probably not all going to work out. Um, I encourage, one of the ways that I encourage uh, people who are trying to figure out where they stand, like you're just starting that process, is to keep a little notebook in your pocket and write down every single purchase that you make. Do it for a month or two. Uh, This has two amazing benefits. One, you will be able to look back and see exactly where you're leaking, exactly where you're overspending or whatever. But secondly, kind of like when you write down every piece of food that you, you consume when you're on the diet, you never, if, I don't know if any of you have ever done that, but if you've ever done that, it causes you to stop and think about what you're spending. 
right? And it will slow down the velocity of your spending. It's a powerful principle, uh, and it, it helps you know where you stand financially. Number two, live on less than you make. <gasps> this is un-American. We want to live on, we want to live up to our income and well beyond it. We borrow from tomorrow to pay for a lifestyle that we can't afford today. That is the American way. In Proverbs 21.20, Solomon writes this, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. The wisdom of Solomon here, the principle at play, is live on less than you make. Fools eat it all, and fools consume beyond what they make. But a wise person has reserves. A wise person lives on less than their income. Super, super important principle. Guys, if you consume everything you make, you will always be broke. And the problem with, uh, one of the problems with that, you're going to, you have a huge opportunity cost, as you're about to see. But beyond that, the next time an emergency comes up, the next time the car breaks down or whatever else happens, now you're putting it on a credit card and you are paying interest, which I will explain in a moment, is a powerful force. And we'll get to that in a moment. But this feels pretty countercultural, doesn't it? We want what we want, we want it now. I want my lifestyle, I want it now. And we live up to what we make or beyond. That's pretty standard American um, MO. And so we'll swipe it and put it on a credit card. We'll take out a home equity loan to go on that vacation or buy something that we really want that's, that's not necessary. Guys, one of the most powerful words that you can ever tell yourself is no. One of the most powerful words you can ever tell yourself is no. No, I don't need that. No, I want it, but I'm not going to buy it. No. Delayed gratification is the secret to success. It is also the hallmark of adulting. Again, countercultural, is it not? But delayed gratification is powerful. Anyone who is truly successful has mastered this in their life. Delay gratification is the secret to success and the hallmark of adulting. And as you're about to see, why? You know, Albert Einstein is famous for, well, he's famous for a lot of things, mostly his hair. But, uh, I mean, super brilliant physicist. And he identified compound interest as one of the most powerful forces in the universe. He, he said this, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. As you're about to understand, you want interest working for you, not against you. You absolutely do, and, and you're going to understand very clearly in a moment. So how do you do that? How do you get to a place where that profound power is working for you, not against you. Now, I call it this. The, the secret, the little trick to this is budget, upside-down budgeting. Upside-down budgeting. So the typical way we budget uh, in the United States of America is 
we have our income, and we ask, can I afford the payment? <laughs> and, uh, and we have, and then so that first line on our budget is lifestyle. And again, as, we, as I said earlier, we will spend up to our income if there's no governor on us. It is just human nature. And so if you're making $50,000 and all of a sudden you're making $100,000, very quickly you will live up to the $100,000 lifestyle trying to keep up with your neighbors who are all in debt up to their eyeballs, right? Um, so you have to build in self-discipline, but we don't. Line number one, typical American budget, lifestyle. Then we have, if we have anything left at the end of the month, line two is saving and investing. And then line three is if there's anything left after that, giving. So God kind of gets the leftovers. And that's the way we do. That's the way our culture rolls. What, when we apply these biblical principles to our, our budgeting, we turn that upside down. So in the Old Testament, God always got the first fruits. It's called the first fruits principle. And so on that first line, we put our giving. On the second line, we put our saving and investing. And on the third line, we put our lifestyle. Okay, does that make sense? So that means some of you are doing the math and you're like, that means I have less to, less to actually finance my lifestyle. Yes, because we're living on less than we make. Why do this? Why? I mean, why do this? This sounds like it might be hard. It's like hard. And it is, but it isn't. Because once this gets rolling in your life, it's actually really easy. You just have to put it in place. All right, so I'm going to throw some numbers out here. I don't want you to get hung up on the percentages so much. If you are a young adult, a teenager, you are getting ready to launch into life, I want you to consider some of this. These are kind of ideal percentages for each of those lines. If you are fully living life, you've got kids and cars and house and all of that, I want you to see these percentages. I want you to consider them, but also know that it's going to take a little bit of work, well, a lot of work and, a lot of, and some time to get to where you want to be ultimately and some sacrifice. But I hope to give you a picture of why it would be worth it. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's take line number one. First line of the upside down budget, give some, give some. This puts God at the top of our list. As I said, in the, the agrarian society that they lived in, they would bring God the first 10% of their yield. He got the first and he got the best and it was 10%. And so that's the percentage that I'm gonna put there, 10%, it's called a tithe. And we've covered all the reasons why that helps discipline our hearts towards generosity and keeps our mindset right and our heart condition good and keeps us invested in what God is doing. It's powerful because money can completely jack you up if you're not good that way. Number two line, save and invest some. I'm gonna say 20%. Now, for those of you who are <clears throat> living life, You've got kids, you've got bills, you've got all of that. You're like, there's no way. There is no way I could do that. You're right. There's no way you can do that today. Um, and maybe you're going to have to build incrementally towards that. But I want you to see the big picture. For younger people, if you start this way, 
It's just the way life is, and it's actually really easy to do. And so I want to encourage you to consider 10 and 20. Save and invest second line. That leaves you 70% to live on, right? 70% is less than you're living on right now if you're, if you're already doing life. And so, again, time, effort, discipline to get there. There's grace in the process. And, guys, other than the 10% tithe, 70 and 20 are not biblical. I'm just, they're just really smart numbers to work with, just to be clear. Um, okay, so if we save and invest 20%, this, is, this, this blew my mind. I ran the numbers on this. 20%, average household income in Wheeling, West Virginia is $43,000. If we were to save 20% of that, that's $716 a month. If you were to take $716 a month, put it into a tax-sheltered account and into a S&P 500 index fund, which barely charges any fees, and you let that grow unmolested. In other words, you're not going and just pulling money out because you want a new boat. Um, but you, you let that grow unmolested from age 21 to age 67, which is the average retirement age. Does anybody want it? Well, first of all, before I have you guess, you will have, over the course of your working life, invested $395,000 over the course of those years. Does anybody want to take a guess on how much money you would have because of the power of compounding interest over the course of that time? I ran this through two financial calculators, and I think they had different, different equations or different algorithms or whatever. The low one came back at $9,970,509. The high one came back at $12 million. That's the power of compound interest. Now, I know some of you are like, there's no way I could do 20%. All right, let's do 10. 10% is $358 monthly. Low, the low end was, well, you will have put in $200,000 over the course of your working life from 21 to 67 you will have on the low end $4,985,254. On the high end, $5,975,328. Let me ask you, do you think you could retire on that? Do you think you could do a lot of good in the community with that? Do you think you could change the legacy of your kids and their kids with that? Yeah, you could. Do you think you could have... Some financial breathing room, anyone? All right, now some of you are like, there's no way I could do 10%. 5%, $179 a month. That's over the course of your working career, you will have put away $98,808. The low calculation on that is $2,492,627. The high calculation on that is $2,987,000. $665. So somewhere between two and a half, three million dollars. Five percent. Is it worth trying? Is it worth being disciplined? Is it worth working? You bet it is. You bet it is. And now some of us are starting late, and I get that. I wish we could all start when we were 20. I wish we could all start when we were 15, um, because those years make a, make a difference. But this is the power of compound interest. As Einstein said, it's either going to work for you or it's going to work against you. Those who understand it, use it. Those who don't, pay it. And live on the rest. Live on the rest, 
Again, you might not be able to get to 70% today, but you can begin working towards that. Now, what does this do? Well, this builds in a governor in our lives. We're not tempted now to just live up to what we make. We have set a number, and this is what we have to live on, and we adjust our lifestyle accordingly, right? And again, if you're starting out early, that's really easy to do. Just set it up at the beginning and live that way. If you're adjusting, it's a little bit harder, but you can begin working towards this and making some changes in your life. And you know what this will do? It will motivate you to not be wasteful, and it will motivate you maybe to you know, get a side hustle, increase your income, whatever. That's okay as well. And the idea of forcing you to not be wasteful, you know, for, for some of us, we might look at everything going on in our life, and you know what? We don't need to live in this neighborhood. We don't need this much room. You know, downsize. Buy used cars. One of the things Christy and I decided early on in our married relationship, actually before we got married, uh, we read a book by Dave Ramsey called Total Money Makeover and kind of got a vision for our lives along these lines. And we just decided, you know what? We don't get our identity from our car. We're just going to buy used cars. We're going to pay cash. We're going to get low mileage, high years, late model cars, and we're just going to buy them and we're going to drive them till the wheels come off. Um, and that's what we do. Now our kids are driving them and hopefully the wheels don't come off. Anyway might uh, consider dropping your cable or your streaming service or your streaming services. I was shocked to find out how much people are paying for streaming services. It's crazy, and we just collect them, and we don't even know we have them. Sell some stuff. Stop the Starbucks habit. You know, $5 a day adds up really fast. Start packing a lunch. There are things we can do if we're intentional and we have a vision. But all of this, guys, requires a budget, a cash flow allocation plan. And again, the Excel nerds are all like, woo, I can't wait. And the rest of us are like, oh, that sounds miserable. I don't want to do that. But this, again, is basic adulting 101. It's not your stuff. You're taking care of somebody else's stuff. And if you're going to succeed with money, you have to do this. We should be teaching our kids to do this. We should have been taught to do this, but we're not. We're not. And so there are many of us here, as I'm talking about this, you're just completely overwhelmed because you have no idea where to even begin. I've got something for you. Hang in there with me. Let's do the third point first, and that's this. The third practical money habit that will make all the difference in your world. Get out of debt and stay out of debt. Get out of debt and stay out of debt. In Proverbs 22, 7, this is the principle. It says the borrower is slave to the lender. When we owe money, we, well, you know how it goes. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. You lose options. You work for yourself, but you're also working for somebody else because you have to pay them month in and month out. And you end up working to pay your debt. Now, here's the problem, that interest thing that we talked about. That interest thing starts working against you. 
in profound ways. It's just as powerful in the opposite direction. Like if you were to go borrow $200,000 to buy a house, and I want to be clear, I'm not saying a home mortgage is, uh, it's kind of a necessary thing in our culture, so I don't want to, to communicate to you that, you know, it's somehow sinful or wrong to have a mortgage. It's a good idea to pay it off as quickly as you possibly can. But even with that just basic, that's the most favorable terms you're going to get with interest in this world. If you were to borrow $200,000 at today's interest rates over the course of a 30-year period of time, you will have paid $516,000 for the privilege of borrowing the two hundred. dollars So really, you've paid $316,000 to borrow $200,000. All right, so that just gives you a picture. Again, I don't want you to... Uh, to hear me saying mortgages are bad. It's the best kind of debt you can have if you're going to have debt. But again, if you can put that money to work for you in the other direction, it's powerful. Where we run into problems is with the rest of the debt. We borrow to finance a lifestyle that we can't afford. And so we end up paying for years and years and years. I know, you know, um, Dave Ramsey says, you know, I've got loans, student loans that have become like a family pet. You know, they're just always there. They're not going anywhere. Um, And we just, many people have decided, I'm just going to live in debt for the rest of my life. Well, you are working your way into a deeper and deeper and deeper hole, and you don't have to do that. You don't have to live that way. Maybe no one's ever told you that. You don't. Credit cards are running somewhere between 20 and 27%. So if you're not paying it off at the end of every month, first of all, you're, you're spending more than you would otherwise. I don't have time to go into all those details, but you are because it's easier to just swipe and go than it is to pay cash. Cash hurts. And so you're doing that, but the interest rate will bury you over time. You can make that minimum payment. You'll never, never make your way out. You're buried. Now, Here's what I understand about a lot of us. This is an incredibly difficult topic. There may be guilt surrounding it. I don't even know where to begin. I feel helpless in this arena. I get it, and I don't want to leave you there. You need a plan. You need a plan that's probably a little more in-depth than I have time to unpack in this message today. And so I want to offer you a gift. Something that we have been doing at the church for 20 years now is called Financial Peace University. It was put together by Dave Ramsey, the guy who wrote, wrote that book that we read, Christy and I read before we got married. And Financial Peace University takes God's principles and puts them into a really tangible plan. And it starts with, how do I get out of debt? And then how do I, once I'm out of debt, how do I apply these principles so that I can win in the arena with money, and most importantly, have financial peace. This is the practical side of the financial peace. Guys, Financial Peace University is an $80 class. We purchased it for you as a gift. And, um, and I would love if every single one of us would take it. Can't force you to take it. I want to invite you to take out your, your Connect card and there's a place there where you can sign up to, to take the class. Uh, and what we will do is, um, I'm going to challenge you to do it twice. Do it once by yourself at home. It's an online, you can do it in an online format. Go through, apply as much of it as you can to your finances. Uh, 
usually takes people two, two times to really get everything worked into their habits. And so uh, the next time we offer it in person, which will be probably this fall, I want to invite you to come and do it with a group of people. It takes, takes twice to really get it worked in, and there's something powerful about doing it with others as you talk through the different aspects and you ask your questions and you have somebody, a real live person there to help you on that second time through. Guys, this is our gift to you. It's not free. We're paying for it. But your church wants to see you find financial peace. Wants to, I, I desire so much that we would all have peace in this arena. Marriages, one of the top reasons listed for divorces are money fights. It creates so much discord in our lives on every level, or we just live in this constant state of anxiety because it's just, that, it's just out of control. We want you to have this, want you to apply it. And the things we're talking about today in this message can apply to your life. And yes, it will take effort. And yes, it will take work. It will change your life. I was just on the side watching the, the, the video, standing with one of the worship team members who are in the wings. She leaned over and said, it changed our lives. That class changed our lives. It can change yours too. Sign up for Financial Peace University on your Connect card. We're only offering it here. We're not allowed to put it out on the internet or anything like that. So if you don't sign up, well, you won't be part of the class. You know, one of the things, one of the benefits that I found being on the same page with my wife of applying God's principles is there is financial peace in our marriage. And if, once you learn to communicate and get on the same page about finances, there's almost nothing else you can't work through. It's really a profound thing. And Dave and his team will walk you through how, how to do that. They provide all the, all the, the uh, forms and the coaching and everything you need. You can do this. And when you apply God's principles, I mean, there are times where I look at what's going on and I go, that's like magic. I don't know how God did that, but he did it because I'm cooperating with him. When you're cooperating with them, it's the same. Now, if you're not in debt, you're like, hey, I got through and I'm not in debt and my finances are good, you still need to do Financial Peace University. You really do. It's not just about getting out of debt. It's about applying God's principles to your finances. It's about having financial peace. It's about taking care of God's stuff the way he instructs us to take care of his, his stuff. It's our responsibility to honor God. And at the end of the day, God wants us to not be afraid. And when we live his way, it's amazing how the fear starts to go. He doesn't want you living in fear. He wants you living in his family. He wants you living victoriously. He wants to teach you how to live a blessed life. And he wants you to have peace that passes understanding. Yes, even in the arena, the practical arena of finances. Financial peace is a big part of that. So I hope you'll sign up. You can drop your Connect card in the buckets on the way out. We'll get you signed up, get you a link. Make sure you write your email address in a format that we can understand, please. Um, write neatly and, uh, and you'll be hearing from us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today's message is... Uh, may not feel spiritual, but it's a deeply spiritual. 
God, it's, it's your Father's heart for your kids that we would live in peace, that we would honor you with our stuff, God, or with your stuff. Lord, that we would, uh, we would not live in chaos and fear, but we would live in peace and victory. And so, Jesus, as we sing these songs, would you come? Would you minister to our hearts? I pray for those who are just wrestling with financial fear, Lord, where that, it just feels like everything's breathing down. God, I pray that you would bring peace. I pray that you would bring comfort. And I pray, Lord, that you would motivate all of us to do something about it, to meet you in the midst of it. So Holy Spirit, come. Speak to our hearts. Receive our worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Church podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face to face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.